Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sean Trotar. Sandy Clough is on my left. If you're watching MileHighSports.com slash watch or on the free app, you would know that. But otherwise, I will describe it for you. Happy Wednesday. You're most of the way through the week, so congratulations. That's always good. And the Never Nuggets take game one. Now, Sandy, this is going to be an interesting one to dissect because to hear the national media speak of it, somehow the six-point loss by the Lakers should be considered some sort of moral victory and the Nuggets should be disappointed with their win. And that is the kind of stuff that you expect from the national side. Bruce Brown today addressed the media, was asked why the Nuggets were underrated. He had a very simple answer. Nobody watches us. He's right. The, the, the national media on the whole just assumes the Lakers will win because they don't know who the Nuggets are. They're this curiosity with this big, funny-looking center. And uh, look, the, the Nuggets have things that they have to adjust to. The Lakers gave them an adjustment that worked. I will tell you right off the bat, to me, that's a silver lining in this win because you already got to see what their adjustment is going to do and work, and you get to adjust. It's well, not, it wasn't sprung on you. Yes and no. Uh, it was sort of sprung on them, and actually, I think Shouldn't have that makes it defensible. Uh, I think they stumbled into it, and sometimes things that work best are things you stumble into. Uh, so I'm not going to give Darvin Ham an inordinate amount of credit because if he had been designing any sort of game plan around Hachimura guarding Jokic, he would have gone to it much earlier than he did. They found something in the fourth quarter that I do think can carry over, and I I do think, uh, again, the national media ignorance about the Nuggets both works in their favor and works against them in their favor in the sense that for some reason the national media seems as infatuated with Jeff Green as Mike Malone does, and they're the only people who are infatuated with Jeff Green. So I think the Nuggets get some credit for things that are actually weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Maybe not weaknesses, but vulnerabilities. Um, When Nikola Jokic overpasses last night on a couple of occasions, um, driving to the basket for uncontested layups and pitching the ball either to Jeff Green or out the three-point line to Aaron Gordon, uh, Ben Gundy and Mark Jackson on the commentary for ESPN slash ABC should criticize him for it. You, you, it's not being a good uh, teammate per se to, to do that. You're dominating, and it's the only flaw I see in Nikola Jokic and it's a good flaw to have if you're going to have a flaw. He's exceedingly unselfish. But you can't throw the ball out to the three-point line when you've got a layup. And that, along with the Nuggets, again, doing what they quite frequently do, that the national media has no clue about whatsoever. The national media never talks about pace in relation to the Nuggets, although they talked and I think rightly so, about the altitude effect and why they couldn't put those two things together. Altitude fatigues the other team. Altitude fatigues the other team more when the home team pushes the pace, as the Nuggets were doing in the first half, 
And it didn't take someone who's watched a lot of the Nuggets to detect the difference between the first half and the second half. Right. In the first half, they pushed the pace, and it helped their defense. In the second half, they stood around, and it hurt their defense. And that, in addition to Hachimura going on to Jokic so that Davis could roam, brought Davis into the game in the fourth quarter in a way that he had not been during the first three, three and a half quarters of the game. Now, the good side of all this and what the national media, I agree with you, did miss, the Nuggets had four bad minutes last night out of a 48-minute game. Right. Otherwise, it was right. a blowout. And um, I, I was dealing with uh, some good friends of mine texting back and forth during the game, and they were in a panic. And with four and a half minutes to go, with about four minutes to go, as a matter of fact, the Nuggets had a 98.5% chance of winning the game, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. Even when the Lakers got within three, the Nuggets had a 76% chance of winning the game. And in the last minute after LeBron missed the three-pointer, it was back up to 96, 97, 98% likelihood to win the game. There were, there were really, if you broke it down, only, only two truly anxious minutes. With 440 left in the game, the Nuggets are up 11. Mm-hmm. They started the fourth quarter up 14. Right. It isn't like they collapsed in the fourth quarter. No, they had from about 6-10 left in the game to 45 seconds left in the game. So, that, you know, that's that's not even five minutes, is it? It's, it's four minutes and change out of a 48-minute game. Uh, they weren't good. Uh, Reeves hit some threes. Uh, LeBron was scoring at will. The Nuggets were switching too much, and Murray was late in the game yeah. with an ear infection trying to guard LeBron, we'll which, get into that which too. wasn't great. Um, Malone, to his credit, did adjust to that. But the overriding problem with the Nuggets that hasn't bitten them yet in the playoffs but might is what our good friend Scott Hastings calls their tendency to go to prevent offense. And prevent offense is the, the major flaw in Mike Malone's coaching. Mike Malone does not want to run. He does not practice running. He does not want the Nuggets running. And yet, I think the Nuggets against this Laker team are more vulnerable than they would be against almost anybody else when they don't run because yeah. then the Lakers can muscle them. And the, the Lakers can use their size. They can use their strength. And we talked about wildcard players yesterday, and we only talked about Nuggets. The wildcard player in the game last night, because Murray and Porter, I thought, did play, for the most part with Murray, very well. And I thought Porter, all around, I thought Porter in was- his 35 minutes, had a great game, and I, I'd have played Porter more than they played him. Yep. But that, that's, would, that's yeah. a small thing. The wild card player in the game turns out to have been Hachimura, even though the Lakers lost the game. So I can see the side where the Lakers take some solace in the fact that after being utterly humiliated in the first half, they did come back. But from the Nuggets side, I take great encouragement in the fact that for 44 out of the 48 minutes, basically had their way with the Lakers and they were up 18 at the half and it could have been 28. 
because they pushed the pace. And the Lakers cannot, not only can't beat them, can't compete with them when they just push it a little bit. We're not talking about racehorse basketball here. But when you're up 22-3 to as they were in, in the first quarter at one point in rebounding, you should be way ahead. Right. And that rebounding advantage was basically maintained throughout the game. It finished up 15-5 to on the offensive boards. So I can see the Lakers looking at it and saying, okay, 15-5, to we were beaten on the offensive boards, and we still only lost by six. We won't get beaten that badly on the boards, 47-30 overall. We won't, in subsequent games, get beaten on the boards. And, and they probably won't, but you also look, when you look at the – As an aside, I always love when people talk about the altitude. Yes, the effect is real, but it always cracks me up because uh, it it can be a complaint from the opponents. But what's really the complaint? That the home team's in better condition than you? Well, that's kind of a you problem, isn't it? Really? I mean, in the end, it always cracks me up when people approach that with altitude. But but it isn't just a minor thing. It is a thing. It is. It is a factor. If you're not accustomed to it, it bothered Hall of Famers exceedingly. Uh, and uh, quite noticeably. Yeah. And, and, particularly Akeem Olajuwon and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And they were sure in shape. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it does, it does have an effect. It's just kind of amusing the way it gets uh, approached as if it's somehow, uh, you know, something that's either some mystical or, or unfair or, or well, whatever. Uh, uh, and well, and in, the, in the Nuggets I don't, I don't think it's mentioned here, enough. I, I, I would push back on that. I don't think it's... It, it, last night when, when they mentioned it, it was as much treatment as altitude has gotten, and maybe it's because uh, the Nuggets haven't been playing this time of year uh, in the NBA Finals since 2009. Remember, 2020 mm-hmm. was in the bubble, and it was not yeah. played this, was this time of year. This was the first Western Conference Finals game in Denver since 2009. It was played in late exactly. summer, not the right. spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they were right to talk about it, but silly not to make the linkage between how the Nuggets – literally ran the Lakers off the court in the first half. And then in the second half, especially at the end of the game, things got close. Why did they get close? Well, bad defense. Well, that's too simplistic. It got close because the Nuggets stood. And when you stand on offense, guess what you do on defense? You stand there too, and you switch more than you should because you're not moving on one end of the court. And then it does become up to Jokic to go one on whatever. And it becomes incumbent upon Murray uh, to do the same. And Porter doesn't play much in fourth quarters. No. Uh, and I'm not Fortunate, sure I quite uh, understand that because I thought his defense was good. Last fortunately, time. he did because he may have ended up making the play of the game in the fourth quarter, diving for a loose ball, finding a way to get it uh, out. And the Nuggets ended up converting with an alley-oop to, to Aaron Gordon. But the interesting part of how that all works, and, and, and Jeff Van Gundy, who's done a terrific, it really has become one of the better commentators in, in basketball, brought up some, a facet of Jokic's play in the first half, which I thought was really fascinating. It was a very good point. Pointed out that, that what Jokic is doing, essentially, is being a, a team psychologist in real time, understanding that when you involve other players, other players are more inclined to move. They're more inclined to cut. And if you have more effort expended on offense, you tend to expend it on defense. This is sort of Jokic's secret sauce. You're talking about what he does that nobody else does. There are are all the physical aspects. 
And I agree with you, Sandy, in the fact that he does, he was overpassing last night. He had five turnovers. Uh, I would say as much as four of them, to be totally unfair, I don't expect Nikot with Jokic to be perfect, but as many as four of them were totally unnecessary. And what he's trying to do, I think, is keep that team running and motivated to continue to do all the things they were doing in the first half because he involves everybody. And he was terrific at it in the first half, but the Lakers were able to diffuse it a little bit. And this is exactly what we talked about earlier in the week. When you have guys that can be a rover and we saw what we have seen historically when Rudy Gobert was still with the jazz, we've seen the jazz do it. Take, take Gobert off of Jokic. Yes. And let him rove. When you right. have a long shot blocking player, a Gobert, an Embiid, a Anthony Davis, when you have that kind of player, teams have learned that they actually want to take that guy off of Jokic, put someone smaller on him, and and let him do what he can, but let that big shot blocker rove a little bit, play a little center field, and make plays. That's why I think the the Nuggets ran into something that the Lakers may have stumbled into, but they shouldn't have stumbled into it because this is what teams with long blockers who have done against Jokic and have had success. So the bright side of this is even though the Nuggets did not look like they were completely prepared to adjust and adapt to the Hachimura on Jokic situation, there are plenty of ways that they can go around it. But Michael Malone, after the game, Talked a little bit about the defensive switches and how they impacted the Lakers' run. Yeah, it's um, you know we've been a switch team for most of uh, the season with our you know small ball lineups. You know, guys not named Nicola, we switch quite a bit, and uh, you know we challenge our smalls to fight guys like Carl Anthony Towns, to fight guys like Kevin Durant, and uh, you know obviously tonight LeBron and Rui, you know they had their way with us down there. And then, then you, uh, our tough two is going to beat you. And if you start double teaming, do you open up the three-point line? So um, we'll, we'll once again watch the film and see how we can do a better job, especially in that second half of just making it harder. I really liked how we played in the first half. Got off to a tremendous start, 21-point lead. Um, but they just continued to chip away, and they made a game of it. And fortunately, we were able to pull it out. That was Michael Malone last night after the game, and he, he certainly – correct when mentioning all of that and the, and the Lakers chipping away keep in mind you this is a situation with the Nuggets I talked about this on social media it's S-D-R-O-T-A-R, S-D-R-O-T-A-R uh, at, while the game was going on that at the beginning of the fourth quarter there was a risk and there was a, a, an element of danger there for the Nuggets because of the same thing you're talking about uh, they tend to stand they tend to change up what they're doing they're sitting on their lead this is where some playoff experience that the Nuggets don't have save Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I think comes into play a little bit. If this was a regular season game, the Nuggets laugh off the second half and win uh, in, a, in, in just going away. The Lakers are not going to roll over. They're not going to roll over whether they're down two, whether they're down 25, whether they're down, they're down 30. They're not. And so the Nuggets' tendency to play, as you put it, prevent offense, Sandy. Well, that, it, I, that's Scotty's term. Yeah, and, and, you're and right. Scott, Scott Hastings put it. Good for Scott because that implies exactly the kind of criticism of Malone that I think is fair to make of Malone, and it's not the first time Scotty has talked about that. Uh, and they allowed the Lakers to get back in. in football, and the problem but the is Nuggets practice prevent right. offense. But you're you're facing a team in the Lakers that they they do not care. They will take that and they will take every single bit you give them, and all of a sudden you're going to find it back in the game like they did last night. That this is not you're in the final four teams in the NBA here. Nobody's rolling over at any quarter, in any game, in any situation, period.
period. Pedal to the metal the whole time. The Nuggets were clearly the better team last night, and they proved it by winning. But this game should not have been that close. Continue to do what you were doing for the entire time. I personally thought, even though LeBron James was definitely playing downhill and playing well late in the game, I think he was fatigued. I think his turnover near the end that Michael Porter Jr. ended up uh, with was in part driven. His three-point shot was also halfway down. And if that shot goes in, it's a tie game with 45 But he was over four from three. I understand that. He's not a good three-point shooter. But I, I'm just saying the three-pointer was halfway down. That's not a I, – I don't, I don't think – I think the Nuggets let Davis and LeBron off the hook even though they played heavy minutes. They weren't stressful minutes in the fourth quarter because the pace was so slow. And that allowed them to play Davis 42 minutes, LeBron 40 minutes – Actually, a little more than Jokic, 42 minutes, and Murray, 37 minutes. Now, Murray's got the ear infection. And when I said yesterday that basically there was no doubt he was going to play, I wasn't suggesting that the illness was phony. Right. Any more than it was phony last Thursday, but there's no way he wasn't going to play last Thursday, and there was no way he wasn't going to play last night. However, uh, the path of least resistance sometimes is to switch because you don't have to work. To switch. Right? You don't have to fight sure. over screens or anything like that. And if you're fighting an ear infection and it's late in the game and your team, frankly, is up 14 with six minutes, 10 seconds left in the game, you're not exactly feeling impending danger there. And they had made the switch with Hachimura on to Jokic a few minutes earlier. And, yeah, it slowed the pace of the game, but the lead was still 14. Yeah, it was still double. Now, uh, listen, the they... The Lakers, who are not a great three-point shooting team, and neither the Lakers nor the Nuggets take a lot of threes. Lakers are 11 for 24 last night on threes. And frankly, they easily could have been 12 for 24. Uh, That LeBron shot was not a brick. Uh, You know, had it been, you know, one that just clanged off the rim, I'd say, yeah, maybe, you know, fatigue was getting, but, but, I, I think they actually helped LeBron, who had to go out within the first seven minutes mm-hmm. of the game, yes. as again, That's a good point. the guys on uh, ESPN, to their credit, uh, mentioned last night. They, they, they Talking about the altitude, they said, you watch, LeBron will be out within the first seven minutes, and he isn't usually out that early. Sure enough, out he goes, and the Nuggets were you know, double digits ahead by that time, and out he went, out of fatigue. But they didn't give him in the second half any reason to play tired. And uh, Davis, you know, listen, you're always waiting kind of. And again last night, I know he got hit in the face once, but, you know, writhing again, <laughs> not falling down. Only the one but, time, right? But, but it was only once, but it, it seems to happen every game where he gets hit. And you, you you think that, you know, well, he's doubled over or he's in agony. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, he was great last night. And it's the funny thing about some of these games where you've had 30-plus points, 20-plus rebounds, and 10-plus assists in history of playoffs. Jokic has done it twice now. Wilt did it. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it. It's funny about all those games, save for maybe the other one that uh, Jokic uh, played, um, other than the one he had last night. The other center 
kind of gets into the game too <laughs> and and gets embarrassed enough that he strikes back, whether it's Willis Reed against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Connie Dierking against Wilt. And, in fact, uh, in Kareem's game, 38 points, 23 rebounds, 11 assists, his team lost the game. Uh, Jokic, of course, uh, did it uh, against Phoenix, but actually he did it on a night when, for one of the few times in the series, DeAndre Ayton was any kind of offensive factor uh, with 10 points along with 15 rebounds and a couple of assists. So it's interesting how that goes. But imagine being Davis today, just Davis, and looking at your line and seeing 40 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, three steals, two blocks in 42 minutes, and know that you got significantly outplayed by the other guy. <laughs> and you had 40 points and 10 rebounds. Jokic obviously was a dynamo at the, at the best and possible, uh, highest possible level. It was remarkable. We'll talk about this, of course, over the course of the show. We also want uh, your responses. The call and text line is 303-831-1340. We'll get to some of those next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Nuggets six-point win last night in game one of the Western Conference Finals, 132-126, has Nuggets fans a little bit nervous because of the remarkable way the, the first half went, and we'll obviously continue to discuss that, but we want to remind you that our call and text line is 303-831-1340. I got a text in there that our producer, Danny Bailey, uh, wanted to insert. Absolutely. This is from uh, Joe. He said, during pregame yesterday, Ham was quoted as saying, we have an initial coverage, a counter coverage, and an <laughs> escape plan. I'm pretty sure we'll get to the escape plan. <laughs> Do you think we already saw the escape plan uh, last night? Yeah. And in that sense, was the Lakers' comeback in game one essentially an act of desperation that benefits the Nuggets long term? Uh, I don't know if it benefits the Nuggets long term, but I agree with you. It was an act of desperation, Joe. I think you're exactly right about that. Uh, I think who knows? Maybe the escape plan was Hachimura as a last resort, and maybe they designed that. But it looked like as the game progressed, because Hachimura had played, I mean, Hachimura played 28 minutes last night. He right. didn't just play in the fourth quarter and hadn't played before that. No, he he got 28 minutes because he was playing well. He had 17 points. Uh, he didn't have a single rebound, which is crazy, uh, because I I thought he was physical when he needed to be. Uh, stayed out of foul trouble which, you know, Davis did too, for that matter. Uh, maybe they should have fouled a, a little more than they did. Uh, but I, I I, think that's right. I, I think it, it more than one thing can be true. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nuggets now have a chance to look at that and see how they could attack it yes. better. But at the same time, I think it's something the Lakers uh, can go back to as something other than an escape plan or – uh, a move made mostly out of desperation. It can be part of their defensive design 
because uh, certainly as we're sitting here, Sean, nothing they had designed defensively for the first half worked at all. No. And they when took you, nothing away. And when you look at the Hachimura situation, see, that's the silver lining I take away, too, because I look at it. and Okay, they did. And, and again, the Lakers didn't reinvent the wheel. I explained this before. The Jazz used to do this years ago when they had uh, Derek Favors uh, on, on Jokic no, you're, instead you're of exactly Gobert. Right. It's not new. You're when you have exactly a lanky right. shot blocker, that's probably and the that, best way to play against Jokic. Just let him play center field. Gobert, at times, especially early on, if you were just matching stats, had stats that were as good or better than Jokic's Earlier stats. in their career. Early. When he was I'm with Utah. When, when he was with Utah, mm-hmm. there were occasions in which it would seem as if he would outplay Jokic, but again, the secret there was he wasn't defending Jokic, and even in the recently played series, Towns was on Jokic right. a lot. They did not right. want Gobert one on one, even as a former what two time defensive player. And of Anthony the year, Davis they is that didn't caliber of guy. That matchup as well, Sandy. And when prior to the game, you know, they showed the stats that in the playoffs, the, the primary defender when he's the primary defender. Anthony Davis's man shoots about 29%. Uh, Jokic tore through Anthony Davis as the yes. primary defender. Absolutely yes. as if he was Swiss cheese. I mean, it wasn't even there. And they had to move away from it. The Hachimura adjustment certainly made a difference. Michael Malone had a chance uh, after the game to address that that change and, and what uh, the Hachimura adjustment meant uh, in the game. We were having a hard time scoring. Um, we were turning the ball over. And, you know, we had 19 fast break points tonight, but 17 were in the first half. That's because we were getting stops and turning them over and running out. In the second half, we didn't get stops, so it became a half-court game, which is to their favor. They have the number one defense in the playoffs. So for us, we have to continue to find ways to get pace into the game and not play against that set defense. They have tremendous size, length, and athleticism out there. Um, you know, But you know, we did enough things. I, I thought... By the way, one of the biggest plays at night, um, Michael Porter getting on the floor for that loose ball, that 50-50 ball he came up with led to the only two transition points we scored in the second half on the Aaron Gordon dunk, and the ball arena went nuts at that point. So, um, you know, Michael shot the ball well, rebounded the ball well, but that 50-50 ball was a game-winning type of a play. Before we get to that defensive part of it, I do want to call attention to that with Porter Jr., because... Not only getting the ball, diving and getting in the ball, and we'll talk about more about Porter Jr. later because I think there is a lot to talk about. But he could have held on to it and made it a jump ball. That would have been a different situation. Instead, he was able to get it to, I believe, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He managed to sort of get it, uh, roll it sort of down his chest, get it to Caldwell-Pope, and then was able to get the outlet pass to Jokic to Murray and then the dunk to Gordon. That was a, a terrific play. It would have been very easy for MPJ just to get the ball, hold on to it, and settle for the jump, especially since he's 6'10 and can jump. But instead, being aggressive and getting it to his teammates, that was important. We'll talk more about the way Porter Jr. played. But the, the Hachimura changeup, and it, by the way, if you were not watching on milehighsports.com or on the app, uh, you missed Sandy vehemently disagreeing with the reasons that the Nuggets had cha- the, the fast break points dropped off in the well, second it, half. It's all it's cause and effect. I mean, he he blames the defense for not being able to run. No, you don't run because you don't practice running, and you do it at times, and the players love it when it happens. And uh, Bruce Brown uh, has said it. Nikola Jokic said it last night after the game. 
Nikola Jokic, for English being a second language, he certainly understands nuance because he said after the game, without even hinting at criticism of the coach, we had him on the ropes at halftime and we sort of stopped. And Nikola Jokic knew exactly the reason why they had problems and they didn't have much to do with defense, straight up defense as such, and had everything to do with the fact that the pace of the game changed and the Lakers were so much more comfortable in the second half. They scored 54 in the first half and 72 in the second, not because the Nugget defense was that much worse, but because the offense stopped and stood and watched. Uh, I mean, it was entertaining to watch Jokic play against guys who couldn't really guard him last night, but it became easier to guard Jokic when four people, instead of running up ahead, were standing and watching him play. And maybe Murray did what you've mentioned Murray does at times, and that's dribble, 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 yeah. and it hurts, hurts, hurts when he does that. Yep, and It slows him down. And, and he got off terrible in the half court. terrible shots with the shot clock running out. He got out. lucky with one. He did. He and, got lucky with one that, that went in. A couple times, and that's, I think, worth something to, to mention, too, is, is, again, Murray's tendency there, and it's just, a, just his human personality, is that when he gets a little overloaded, instead of getting rid of the ball, he keeps it. And he, and he goes full Carmelo Anthony and just dribbles out the clock and pitches a fadeaway as the shot clock expires. And that is death for the Nuggets' offense. And great, he got lucky once. But that's one of the things, as, as well as Murray played, and especially given that, you know, he was ill, uh, ear infections not only really hurt, but they can also, you know, runny nose, sore throat. Oh, and they yeah. can make it you a little dizzy. Your energy. Uh, yeah, it saps your energy. I mean, it's tough. So I want to give him credit. But at the same time, this was one of my concerns. Uh, you pressure Murray enough. And instead of doing what you expect him to do, give it up, he keeps it. And and that has to be a habit he's got to recognize and he's got to change. Because there were multiple possessions in that fourth quarter. Multiple. I can, I can think of three right off the top of my head. In which Murray essentially just dribbled out the clock with at least nine seconds left on it. Can't do that. And that's playing right into the Lakers' hands. Yes. The, the, yes. the defensive switching... Is a concern. They're going to have to figure out a little bit what to do with the Murray-LeBron thing, which the Lakers clearly wanted to maximize at every possibility. They're going to continue to want to do that for obvious reasons. LeBron on any guard. Doesn't have to be Murray. He just took him to the hole over and over and over again. And probably against Christian Brown, too. Uh, And Bruce Brown. Whoever they... But he's just going to play bully ball. And, you know, LeBron is not a great three-point shooter. Uh, He isn't a great foul shooter, although under pressure he's as good as anybody. I know he missed mm-hmm. one last night, but you know, the Nuggets missed uh, five free throws out of 22. The Lakers were 23 of 26 at the line, and the Nuggets were 17 of 22, and that helped the Lakers. The, the six additional free throws, the Lakers made 11 threes, the Nuggets made 15, so Denver had an advantage there, but the shooting percentages overall from the field, from three-point range, were virtually identical. Uh, Denver at 55%, 54.9 from the field. The Lakers at 54.8. And I think part of that, and the Nuggets did get 91 shots off, which was good, to the Lakers 84, 
Uh, the Lakers had an advantage 26-22 at the foul line, so if you divide those four by two, you get a five-shot advantage for the Nuggets, and that was one of the reasons they won the game. They shot 55%. They had 15 offensive rebounds, and they, when you take free throws into account, took five more shots, the equivalent of five more shots. A six-point game, that's, that's the difference. But it didn't have to be as hard as it was and while I don't believe in carryover in any way, I don't believe the first half carries over to game two. I don't believe the fourth quarter of the last six minutes or four of the last six minutes carries over uh, into game two. Uh, game two will be different. And I thought they had a chance to uh, create real doubt in the Lakers uh, last night. Now, they did something that no one else has done yet this year in the playoffs, and that's beat the Lakers in game one. And they also did something that in a best-of-seven series against the Lakers, or in a best-of-five series against the Lakers for that matter, the Nuggets have never done, and that's win game one. They've always lost game one. The only time against the Lakers they won a game one was in a best-of-three series, a mini-series, in 1979. That was a long time ago, <laughs> and uh, they lost the third game at home. Uh, but otherwise, the Lakers have always had home court, and the Lakers had always won the first game, playing either at the Forum or at Staples Center or Crypto.com, or whatever they're calling it now. So they did get the win, and we can talk, as we have for the last half hour plus, about how it could have been better, but Malone was right when he said, listen, there's some lessons to be learned but uh, teaching uh, goes down a lot easier when you've won the right. first game rather than blow it. And I think I, – I never thought the Nuggets were going to lose last night. Uh, things did get a little tense in the final minutes. But maybe a constructive fear of losing was put into the Nuggets last night, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I don't think it is either, quite frankly. And I, I think for the Nuggets, you you learned what was going to, how it was going to happen. You got to see the adjustment. You understood what happened when you did not keep your focus. And uh, I agree. I think that that is a uh, a very cheaply taught lesson because it didn't cost you a win, but you got to learn it nevertheless, or at the very least, you should have. We talked a little bit about my bench has got to be better, and let's make that point it does. clear. The and all three of them. Um, Brown and Brown, uh, I thought were better than green, but even uh, Bruce Brown in the second half, he wasn't very good. He was a minus player for the night. He was minus five. Now, he had great first half, great first half, but uh, Christian Brown didn't do much, and Jeff Green was absolutely useless. And I understand that Jeff Green is a calming influence and a veteran leader and a good guy, quote-unquote, in the room. But he has to produce. Uh, I mean, 18 minutes, three points, one rebound, a turnover, minus 10. Sorry, that doesn't cut it. Well, and I, How I, much worse would Zeke Naji do than Jeff Green did? That's that? fair. And, and, and I, I get it. It's different. Green's a veteran that uh, knows the game. Christian Brown's a rookie, but Christian Brown at 12 minutes, no points, one rebound, uh, and a block one at block. a minus 16. Yep. Uh, he was overmatched in this game. So, you know, but you know who wasn't? 
the guy that was the best plus minus on the team, and it wasn't Nikola Jokic. Oh, it wasn't. We'll tell you who it was. By a lot. Next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, Sandy's talked about this. The the plus minus is, of course, for the bench for the, the Nuggets, all three. Christian Brown, minus 16 in 12 minutes. Jeff Green, minus 10 in 18 minutes. Bruce Brown, despite a phenomenal first half, still ends up being minus five. And, and that ends up when you're scoring as many points as the Nuggets means you're giving it up on defense. The team leader in plus minus was not Nikola Jokic. He had plus 11. It was Jamal not Murray even Jamal three. Murray Murray's or plus Contavious Caldwell-Pope. It was Michael Porter Jr. by a wide margin at mm-hmm. plus 20, including making one of the critical plays of the game when you're talking about that late scramble after it gets knocked loose from LeBron. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. finds a way to rest it away, and instead of taking the jump ball, gets it uh, and starts basically a fast break that ends with a dunk by Aaron Gordon. After the game, Michael... Malone had a chance to talk a little bit about Michael Porter Jr. and specifically started with that defense. Well, I think, you know, um, he's doing what he's done all season, Benny. I mean, like, I think you guys have heard me talk about it. I think this season has by far been Michael's best defensive season of his very young career. And, uh, you know, why is that? I think he's using his six foot 10 frame, seven foot wingspan. And most importantly, he's he cares. He wants to. He wants to win a championship. You know, I mean, uh, he came up to me during the Phoenix series and says, listen, man, if you want to get Bruce in at the end of a game, like whatever you think is going to help us win the game, I just want to win. And so it's just another example of a guy being selfless and realizing that this is much bigger than any individual. This is about the collective. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, coming from behind, blocking Austin Reeves' shot, making plays at the rim, getting on the glass, 10 boards. Um, so, you know, 15 and 10 for him making three threes on a very efficient night is a hell of a night for Michael. I mean, it's really, it's not a bad night for anybody. 15 points, uh, 10 rebounds, the pair of blocks, shooting 50% from the field, including 50% from three. Uh, two assists. Uh, two assists. The hustle was great on two different occasions that I can think of right off the bat. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was one-on-one on LeBron James. LeBron James tried to cross him over or drop a hezzy and see if he could find a way to uh, to dribble drive on Porter Jr. Porter Jr. cut it off both times and forced LeBron to have to give up the ball. If that was not, especially given the circumstances, the single best game I've ever seen Michael Porter Jr. play, I it had to be very, very yeah, close. He, he had a few in the bubble that were really good uh, coming off the bench, but to be a starter and, and play that good a game right throughout, uh, I think you could make an argument that he deserved to play a little more than he did. Plus 20, obviously the best of any player yeah. on the court. And that means, team. conversely, in the 13 minutes he didn't play, the Nuggets were minus 14. Uh, the Nuggets were minus 5 in the non-Jokic minutes last night. They were minus 13 in the non-porter, in the non-porter minutes. Isn't that interesting? Now, I wonder, now and how Jokic, much that is. Jokic had as good a game as it's possible to have yeah, basically. at 34, 21, and 14 with two blocks. Uh, but 12 there were, shooting. They, 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 right. And he took fewer than 20 shots to do all that. And 
I mean, he almost, by the end of the first quarter, had a triple-double. Yeah. And at half, he was at 19-16-7 with two blocks. In the second half, 15-5-7. and seven, And you're thinking, well, they slowed him down with Hachimura a little bit. Well, 15-5-7 and seven projects out to 30-10-14. It's still a triple-double. It's just not quite as overwhelming as he was in the first half, especially on the boards. But... Uh, again, uh, due credit to Porter. Uh, I thought Murray uh, played well, uh, 31 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, a block shot, just the one turnover. But he did have trouble in the fourth quarter, and his plus-minus was only a plus-three in the 37 minutes. And in the 11 minutes he didn't play, the Nuggets were also plus-three. So that that uh, non-Porter number, uh, when he was out on uh, the court, they were plus 20. When he was on the bench, uh, the Nuggets were minus 14 in 13 minutes. And so maybe one of the answers for game two is to uh, play Porter a little more, especially if he's holding up defensively. Right. I, I, I can see taking him out if for every point he scores, he's giving it back at the other end. I get that. And I have often said this year that, at least to close close games, their best lineup is often Gordon, Brown, Jokic, Murray, and KCP. Even though you technically have three guards, Brown's another guy with a huge wingspan. Mm-hmm. So he plays 6'8", even though he stands only 6'4". And he's as strong as most 6'8 guys are. But last night, Brown and Brown found themselves a little bit overmatched. It doesn't happen often. Maybe you have to adjust the matchups for those guys when they're in the game. But in in the fourth quarter, it was a problem, especially when Murray and Gordon were out there with those three. It, it was a problem. They certainly weren't able to expand the lead, and they, they did lose chunks of it. I mean, it was 108 to 100 after – the score after three was 106 to 92. So they, they didn't exactly start with a burst in the fourth quarter. It seemed like things had stabilized until Reeves made those threes. So uh, give the Lakers a considerable amount of credit for raising their game. Sure. But again, I, I just point to the point total from quarter to quarter for Denver last night 37, 35, 34, 26. I'm not suggesting it happened all of a sudden, but gradually the Nuggets pushed the pace less and less and less from quarter to quarter. It is notable also when you're talking about some of the challenges with the bench players that have been overmatched. That's a couple more minutes you can carve out for Michael Porter Jr., who, turns out, was not overmatched. Not last night. Not last night. And so maybe there's an option there. The other thing about it that I like, is as everyone is uh, just going gaga over the fact that as you, and, and I'm glad you correctly illustrated that, the the Hachimura move slowed Jokic down somewhat. Didn't stop him, didn't do anything. It, it slowed him down somewhat. So how did the Nuggets adjust? Well, one of the best ways to do that, especially when they're going smaller, right? When the Lakers are going smaller in that regard. Put MPJ at the four. 
Find other ways to mix and match. Let him take advantage of the smaller guy because he can get a shot off against taller well, guys anyway. Davis, Let him be aggressive. You notice Davis wasn't coming off Porter. No. He was coming off Gordon. Right. And, and Gordon was fine. But, uh, you know. But instead it, of worried about, it, you know, hitting Gordon in the corner for threes right, or something like right. that, uh, Gordon either needs to be taken into the rack three. or in work with MPJ. In the left corner when uh, Porter got the balls, I think late in the shot clock. And he had to maneuver a little bit, and he ended up rising up and taking a fairly comfortable three, although it was contested, mm-hmm. and making it at a time when the Nuggets were having trouble scoring. I, I thought he could have played a little more than he did, actually, in the fourth quarter of the game last night. And again, we're not talking about 10 minutes more. Uh, we're talking about five. two or three minutes. Five I, minutes. Five more. at most. Five minutes more. And, and how, many bad, most. how many bad minutes the Nuggets have last night? Four? Really bad four. Really bad four. But, you know, he wasn't involved in all those minutes. No. In fact, really, he wasn't he really on wasn't. the floor for, for the majority of that. And so, you know, there's a bit of your uh, your secret weapon there, perhaps, that in this case, you know, Michael Porter Jr. can be utilized a little bit more. You heard Michael Malone answer uh, the question about uh, his selflessness. The person he asked, of course, uh, you heard uh, Malone answer, well, Vinny, that would be Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette, who will be joining us, by the way, uh, in just a couple minutes here, right at 3 o'clock, uh, Vinny will join us and talk about this game. But uh, if Porter Jr. plays like he played last night, even if the stats aren't much better than 15, 15 and 10, that makes the Nuggets so much more difficult to defend for the Lakers. And it also, quite frankly, the, look, the length bothered LeBron James. And Porter Jr. now is, well, he's never going to be an elite defensive player. The effort consistently gets better, and it has all year. It has consistently gotten better all year. He is he is least enough to get into the way. And if you're enough of in the way that you make LeBron James hand it off, what do you think Austin Reeves is going to do? Or Hachimura, if he ends up with there. I mean, who, who else is going to actually get around him? So Porter Jr. doesn't have to be a defensive stopper. But if he can just use that length to disrupt and get and get the ball out of that person's hands, which he was able to do last night, mm-hmm. that changes the yeah. way the Nuggets play. Uh, Porter Jr. is the third highest paid player on this team. Last night, last night he played like a max player. Played like a max. And if you have him play like the third best player on your team, the Nuggets will be in pretty good shape. And. I am more confident, not just because of the win, but I'm actually, instead of being unnerved by the fact that the the Lakers came back and made a game of it, look, they have two Hall of Famers. They've won titles. I, I'm not surprised that they're not going to roll over and they're going to keep mixing and matching. Give Darvin Ham credit for yeah. not being stuck yeah, in whatever his system I, is. I saying, I'm just going to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. We, we, Good we've for watched him. him throughout the playoffs, uh, uh, not as closely as we've watched the Nuggets, but we've watched them. I'm, you know, you've watched, I've watched virtually every game they've played. It's not like they've been playing at the same time the Nuggets right. have been playing. You can't watch both. He has shown for a first year coach a surprising level of willingness to try things and I, I'm sure he's got a very good staff um, I'm, I'm not familiar with all the people on their staff but I, I'm guessing that there's experience there 
and you also have LeBron, right. who is, to my way of thinking, the smartest basketball player who ever played, with the possible exception of Bill Russell, and Michael Jordan, the second half of Michael Jordan's career, when Michael Jordan learned to trust his teammates and became, I think, a, a smarter, more trusting uh, basketball player. Uh, you know, in the last dance, there came out of that some debate about how good a teammate he was. <laughs> right. And even he got emotional talking about it. Uh, but, uh, listen, uh, you're, you're, you're right about the Lakers, but uh, LeBron's played on teams that wouldn't necessarily have reacted as well as the team did last night. And I think Darvin Ham deserves a fair amount of credit for that. I mean, uh, you, you look at, I, I'm just thinking of two guys for, well, three, obviously, for whom LeBron played. Uh, Mike Brown was, according to the coaches, the coach of the year this year in the NBA. His peers voted him mm -hmm. coach of the year, right? Right. He coached LeBron. Eric Spolster is possibly a Hall of Fame coach. He coached LeBron. Tyron Lue won a championship in Cleveland with LeBron. And he's considered a pretty good coach, right? The Clippers are about the only team that failed in the playoffs and didn't fire their coach. <laughs> Right. right. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Didn't quite hit expectations, uh, but they still keep Tyron Lue. And if they hadn't, it would have taken them about five minutes to emerge as a leading candidate for one of the other openings, and there are several of them now. But I, I'm just more bullish but, uh, about good, this good, team. Good for good for Ham. But also, I think this you know, is, listen, this is... listen. The Nuggets could have lost this game mm -hmm. and might have lost this kind of game in years past. That very much includes last year. And, uh, uh, well, I'll do it on the other side. I want to clean up a mistake I made earlier talking about Jokic's other 30-20-10 uh, playoff game. I said it was this year against Aiton. It was actually two years ago against Aiton. And, yes, the Nuggets lost the game, just like Kareem's Bucks lost to the Knicks when Kareem had that kind of game in 1970 in the playoffs. So uh, uh, there are four of these kinds of uh, – Career 30, 20, 10 games in the playoffs. Jokic has had two of them. Kareem had one. Wilt had one. But the teams only went two and two in those four games. Yeah. All I know is I, I don't care how much the, the national media wants to talk about is if the Lakers some, somehow won a moral victory. They lost, and they have to win four of the next six games. The Denver Nuggets do not. Vinny Benedetto, of course, the beat writer for the Denver Gazette, was there. He'll join us next on Miley Sports. Yeah, my baby.